I'm Dr. Michelle Plaster, and you're listening to Between Two White Coats, a podcast where we dig into key issues surrounding health and wellness. I'm a family medicine doctor, and my co-host, Amber Foster, is a family medicine nurse practitioner. In our combined 30 years in medicine, we've seen a lot. We're discussing some of our biggest questions, obstacles, and patient-centered advice in hopes of educating you and keeping you informed. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have found this podcast helpful, give us a five-star rating and review. This helps other people find our podcast. And make sure you share it with your friends. Thank you for your time. We look forward to serving you. In our last episode, we were joined by Dr. Kathleen Jeffrey. Dr. Jeffrey shared with us information about breast cancer screening, how to define high-risk guidelines, and how to use that information to make a surveillance plan. In today's episode, we continue our conversation with Dr. Jeffrey as she shares her experience with treating breast cancer and how men and women can navigate breast health concerns. But take us through from that abnormal mammogram Um, what happens next? So it depends, of course, where they find that abnormal mammogram in the process. So if you're in a a breast center, typically you're going to have people that can do biopsies based on those mammograms. So if it's a mammographic only finding, you may get what's called a stereotactic biopsy. So that's where they'll go in and take tissue from where the mammogram abnormality is and get and send it off and see what it shows. Um, Also, you can do that under ultrasound. Like I said, in my office, I'll do them under ultrasound. Sometimes you have to have a stereotactic equipment to do the other. And the nice thing is you mentioned the breast center. Breast centers, the nice thing about them, hopefully they have everything together. And that's why we've started this breast center at St. Mary's because we want everybody to be able to get anything they need in that one place. We don't want to be farming them out down the road, down the road to the hospital. We want to have an outpatient setting where people can feel like, okay, I've got, I can do everything right here. And so, you know, we're in the process of getting our mammogram that can do stereotactic biopsies as well. So we already have ultrasound. So we've got it all covered. We're going to have radiology presence as well. So that's the nice thing about breast center. You know, we are dedicated to this. This is what we do. This is, you know, we stay up on the research. We're going to be quick about it. And to that point, having a mother who got something and came in and showed me, there was panic. And to wait an hour, those hours are long, especially if you have an actual symptom going on. So that is why we are intentional about saying, let's get them in very quickly. Even if we don't have the x-ray today, we can provide a lot of information just based on exam history. And at least they feel like, okay, somebody's got me. Yeah. Somebody's got control of this and is going to drive this this engine forward. And I think it's such an important point that people miss. An abnormal mammogram does not equal breast cancer. No. Um, you must get a piece of the tissue to really, you know, we, we look at tissue under microscope to see cancer tissue. Absolutely. And so when you have breast surgeons such as yourself who um, can get to that tissue and take a piece of it, um, is that something you're taking people to the OR and putting them to sleep or tell is that process of getting the breast biopsy? Um, mm-hmm. uh, take us through that so people sure. know what to expect. So whether your biopsy is by a, a stereotactic machine or an ultrasound or whatever, or, you know, some people do them without anything if they feel mass, when we get the tissue, we get a result back. And in many cases, you can have calcification of the breast on mammogram, and most of those are not cancer. But they're there, they're abnormal, so we want to make sure it's not cancer. So we're trying to rule out the, the less likely probability. 
But once we get that result back, then we can guide the patient, okay, this is not pre-malignant. This will not turn into cancer. In most cases, depending on the size or where it is, we can just watch it if they prefer. There are some patients that will have a mass that even though it's not cancer, they're very uncomfortable with having a mass in the breast. And I understand that. And we walk through that process. And some of those patients, we might discuss or decide, you know, I don't like this lump being here. I really want it removed. And we can consider that option. But as you said, many of the things are not precancerous. They're benign conditions and we don't need to go to surgery. And those biopsies are right in your office yes. in a comfortable setting. And, yes. you know, lots of times I'll tell people we're going to get a quick biopsy of this. And yep. again, easy for me to tell other people it's, it's not going to be difficult, but it really is something that is is oh. not that taxing on the patient and no. done right there in your office. No, and if, if the patient, you know, I always offer patients the option to take a little sedative beforehand if they want. But like yesterday afternoon, I had a patient, she had some lumps in her breast. And I said, you know, I, I have two options where I can go biopsy this now, right now, if you're comfortable. Or if you just feel like you need a little something to relax you, we can do it tomorrow. You can give you the pill and come back tomorrow with, with a family member. And she was like, nope. I want to do it now. Yeah. And that gave her, cause she was like, it's all done in one day. Yeah. You know, and that is a lot of, there's a lot of angst reduction in that situation, yes, which is amazing. But we have the other option too, for people who are like, oh, I just can't right. do it. I need I'm a freaking little, out. I, yeah, need a I need something. Yeah. 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 Perfect. And again, it's just really meeting people where they are and yeah. helping them through that process. So you get the biopsy back and the biopsy returns as a cancer. Yeah. Um, what is the process from there? So that's, that's when it becomes, you know, a, Breast cancer is a complex thing because there's a lot of people involved, but it's a very treatable thing. So what I tell patients is my job, the moment I get that breast cancer diagnosis, is to educate the patient. Because I think education is powerful for people with mm -hmm. breast cancer. Because I think you you get rid of some of the mystique, the, the misinformation people get, the fears. You can put a lot of that to rest by just educating them. Here's what we have. Here's what the next step is. I bring in the team that's going to be involved with you going down the road. And I'm going to be with you for five years. I tell them I'm like a cockroach. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> so, and then we bring in medical oncologists. We bring, it's a whole team taking care of you. We talk about genetics. There's so many components, but once they know, you know, we've got all this together, we've got, and she's going to kind of drive the ship forward. I have a breast health navigator that, that works with our office. And I know you all have talked to her mm -hmm. before, but she's important. And that's an important part of a breast center because she's the liaison from me to the patient. And I always say she's the glue for the patient between all these different mm -hmm. pieces. She, her role is to make this as seamless and stress-free free for the patient as possible. They've already gotten a diagnosis that's very upsetting. Yeah. So we want to just calm that whole situation down. So she kind of sets up everything. So when they come and see me, she sets up the medical oncology, the radiation oncology, genetics if we're going to get it, plastic surgery if they're being involved. And they leave with all that laid out. And then we come back again before surgery. And this isn't a long process. Okay. But you know, we say about one to two weeks, depending on where they get genetics, we'll come back again and make a final decision. And my goal for them is to be as educated as you can be. So you say, I understand everything and I'm ready to go. And I think that's critical for those situations. And we, uh, Dr. Flint was wonderful to educate us on, uh, what are different treatment options? Some people will, um, meet a medical oncologist, but not necessarily receive medicine, that it may be a breast cancer that can be solely surgically treated and followed. That's right. Um, and you'll take care of as the breast surgeon 
taking care of removing the cancer and uh, the medical oncologist continues to be part of the team, right. but may or may not be recommending any kind of medicines at those times. Yeah. Um, and then there will be time where it's deemed that some other medicines or the medical oncologist may recommend tamoxifen or other right. medicines such as that to help keep the cancer from coming back, yep. even if it was entirely surgically removed. And so this team of people putting their heads together, um, for those people who are listening and thinking, wow, well, this takes so many people. Um, I think it's really important. And if I wasn't in medicine, I wouldn't understand the difference in the surgical oncology team and the medical oncology team. The medical oncologists are people who have taken an internal medicine route and right. they do not go to the ORs. Correct. And they are um, gurus of the genetics and the treatments and uh, and how and all the different cancers from a medical or a medicine right. treating approach. And then the surgical oncology team and the breast surgeons are the people who have taken a surgical residency and are yeah. surgeons first and then go on and subspecialize into either breast surgery or surgical oncology or how uh, how do we cut out these cancers and work with the medical oncologist. That's exactly right. Thank you. Thank you for uh, clarifying on that, the kind of treatment. Um, so as someone receives a breast cancer diagnosis, you may take care of them from the surgical approach and they are going to follow with you uh, regularly at the breast center and you'll be the lovely cockroach in their life for yes. the five years. <laughs> they don't mind me so no, much. No, <laughs> no. Um, and they'll continue to follow with yes. their medical oncologist as well. Mm -hmm. And you will assist them in their follow-up scans. Correct. And, uh, and the medical oncologist will assist them in knowing what treatments they will take as far as medicines and then what treatments they will take moving into the future to help the, the re, prevent the reoccurrence of right. cancers. Um, and they, they continue to see you and get the different screenings. When do you say, hey, you don't have to hang out with me like this anymore? So that's a great question. So what I typically tell people, and I tell people at the very beginning, I said, typically I will follow you for five years. We'll have this conversation again in five years. And if you're feeling like you just really would feel more comfortable staying with me going forward, we can discuss that. And that's, I'm happy to do that. But there are some patients like, I rang the bell at five years and I'm ready to go. Right. Yeah. I'm ready to move on with my Makes life. Makes me feel like I have cancer yes. if I come back. Yes, exactly. So I think that there are some patients that just have reassurance by seeing that, you know, breast surgeon every year and getting the exam. And, you know, and breast surgeons, we, you know, we do a very thorough exam. We know what we're looking for and they just feel more comfortable with that. Um, not that other people don't, but they just feel like we're more focused on that. And that. so it would not be unusual for someone to say, um, I'm done with my treatment and I have been called cancer-free, five-year cancer-free, but I still want to come here and get my mammograms here and have someone yes. who looks at breast cancers on a regular be the person who's looking at my staff and yes. do my breast exam. And they would continue to see you annually to just really use that extra caution right. for prevention. Right. And that's okay because, you know, I've told people so many times, breast cancer is not just a physical disease. It's an emotional disease. Yeah. And honestly, when people say, is my surgery going to hurt? I say, you know what? It's in the grand scheme of things. It's not a very painful surgery. It's more of an emotional surgery. Mm -hmm. There's a big thing to have someone come, you know, take part of your breast off or, you know, in some scenarios, take off your breast. That's a huge emotional surgery. So I do tell people it's multi, it's not just, you know, a physical thing. Yeah. It's very much an emotional disease. Yeah. And not only in dealing, I appreciate you saying that, not only in dealing with 
breast as that area of the body and how we identify ourselves because of yep. that. But then also that there's either a looming cancer diagnosis or that great risk that's led you to this decision. Right. Um, so there is a lot of emotional impact from this. And I Definitely. think having that team that you know supports you and that you can sort of exhale because these people have got your back yep. is an incredible gift to people who have that emotional burden. Agreed. Um, let's talk about all breast cancers not being the same. You know, I think we group breast cancer as uh, breast cancer survivors and and breast cancers and um, and it's hard to understand why do some people die from breast cancer? Why do some people seem to have very little issues? What What is the difference in different breast cancers? So over the years, what we have really honed in on with breast cancer, you know, and I always tell this to patients as well, is you're just because Mrs. Jones down the street may have had what they call invasive ductal carcinoma. Yours may not be the same because we're doing even more special testing on those cancers. And it tells us, I tell people, it's like everybody has different colored hair, different colored eyes, different features. That's how breast cancers are. And those particular tests we do on every cancer tell us a lot more about the behavior. So some tests will tell us, hey, this tumor's more aggressive. We need to up our game on this one. We need to approach this from a different perspective from the medical oncology side, for example. Or some may have really favorable features, still be an invasive doctor carcinoma, but everything looks so good. And we may be able to omit certain treatments that we wouldn't be able to omit in other people. So there really are very unique characteristics. And we're learning that's actually more important than other features as we move forward. It's called genomic subtyping. And it's not the same in genetic testing. It's just mm -hmm. ways to better characterize those tumors. And that list just gets bigger as I've been doing this over 20 some years, that list grows and grows and grows on ways we can better characterize these things. And then even same exact type of cancer, be able to say this one may be more aggressive. Right, exactly. Which I think is so important that you have this great team that's taking care of you um, that can give you this information because you say to your good girlfriend, I have this specific breast cancer. And your good girlfriend says, that's exactly the right. breast cancer I have. Exactly. And it's not exactly. No. Or just because Angelina Jolie uh, was guided or chose to get a double mastectomy does not necessarily mean that that would be the right answer for someone else. Right. And, and I think that that's, and that's why people say, well, my friend had, she had chemotherapy. Well, guess what? Hers may have been a little different from yours. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to say, you know, yours is, yours has some really good features. So if, if there's a silver lining on this thing for you, this is the silver lining, you know, this should behave fairly favorably. Yeah. And, and I think it's so important for everyone to know that as they go down this road, not only is their road extremely specific to them. And as we're doing, um, as we're able to pick apart the different genetic characteristic of the cancer, not so much of the person who has the cancer, um, we can also give very specific treatment plans. Right. But those treatment plans are not always just one option. You know, there are right. ways to be more conservative and there are ways to be more aggressive. And being able to sit with a trusted physician who can tell you, these are your options right. and here's what we're looking at and you get to choose what you feel is going to serve you best um, with that medical guidance. Yeah, and I think that's a good point that leads me to a, the point of where you get patients to come in with cancer and the first thing in their mind is I'm taking my breast off. And they may even say I'm taking both off. Look, I was taking both mine off just with an abnormal just with an <laughs> <laughs> You're ready. Um, and I feel like my job is to talk them off the edge. Yeah. And to, that's where the education comes in. Guess what? You don't need to take off your breast and you can have the same outcome. 
as somebody that took off their breasts. So that's where the education comes in. And so many times people leave kind of taking a sigh of relief that, okay, I was all ready to take off my breasts, but maybe now I don't have to. And I'm okay with that. Right. So what was, what was your rationale for taking off your breast was because I don't want to have cancer and I don't want to get cancer again in the future. Yeah. And to be able to say, well, we can still not have cancer and not get cancer again in the future with these other options. Correct. And let us not forget too, there's, we talked about, you know, genomic subtyping and types of cancer and how they're different. There's also that cancer that's called an in situ cancer. Talk about getting something really early. That's as early as you can get. That's why we do screening mammograms. That's Mm -hmm. why we do these tests to pick up something before it's even showing up. So those are really early cancers that we can really maybe do a lot less than we would with an invasive cancer. And that, you know, early detection is the cure concept of doing these screening tests because when we catch things and we get rid of them, they don't become problems. Right. Exactly. Um, Tell me what you would like for any cancer patient to know. So I think that, you know, don't be afraid probably is the first thing I would say. And that education is power. Get information from reliable sources. Don't Google. Mm-hmm. Don't go to the internet because guess what? Most of the people that will post things that are not scientific are usually going to post some bad or crazy experience yes. they had. And that's not what you want to kind of put on your plate for this. Go to the sources that can tell you, here's the facts. Here's the studies. Here's what we can tell you. And and get that information. Sure, it's good to have people supporting you around, but make sure you educate yourself more than anything. I think fear is the biggest danger for people with breast cancer and and what I call awfulizing, thinking this is going to be horrible. Well, yes, we don't want to have to go through it. Obviously, no one wants to have to go through it, but we can go through it. We can get through it and we can see you on the other side when you're all done and say, you know, let's ring the bell. We're good. Right. Yeah. And you are cancer free and we're going to continue to keep an eye on you and help alleviate your concerns. I like the phrase awfulizing. I'm going to start yeah. using that one. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a true thing. And the other nice thing that we can we can tell people is guess what? Every time we get a patient with cancer, a whole team of people come together and meet and go through everything together. So we have what's called a tumor board. We have pathologists, radiologists, oncologists, both medical and radiation, myself. We have the support team and we all look at everything about that patient so that you've got multiple experts coming in and weighing in. And, you know, I think I know a lot about my thing, but guess what? Having other people contribute, you kind of say, we're coming at this from all different perspectives. Let's think about this too. And so you really have, and that's where a breast center comes in, yeah, where you have a team that approached everything. And uh, I really appreciate when you were saying having those advocates for the patients because things just get done and and easier on the patient, but a more timely fashion. And knowing that you have an advocate there that uh, takes your call and helps you yes. with what's next, yeah. answers your questions is huge. That's your breast navigator right there. Yeah. And then guess what? If they can't get the answer, they're going to get me. But but that's very accessible for patients. Yeah, you can't always get the doctor on the phone, and I understand right. that. You, but I want you maybe in the OR right. helping someone exactly. else. Absolutely. But but I want my patient to know. You, but you'll get this person. Yes. And you'll get, and yeah. you'll get, get your, your question answer. answered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you. There really aren't words for it. I, as a two female physicians sitting here, I think also I'm, I'm glad that you were called to this field because uh, when I tell people there's a female breast surgeon, she's amazing. That also, you know, it's a very sensitive uh, yeah, area. And, and I think in just knowing 
that uh, you're there for people is amazing for us and for patients. Um, the work you're doing is incredible. And I'm thrilled that St. Mary's has created this breast center that I feel like in our area, we have really been longing for yeah. um, a place to send people who are potentially increased risk. Maybe they don't even know if they're increased risk mm -hmm. and they can go find out. Yeah. Know that they're increased risk or know that they have genetics and just need a place that they know has got this, that yes. this is all they do. They're not doing a CT scan and then, an, and then a mammo yep, and then yep. an ultrasound. This is, they do, they do breast all day, every day. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> and we love it. And yes. And all the surgeons that are there yep. that, and, um, and the team of uh, geneticists and advocates and everything that yep. are there to help people yep. um, is incredible for people to know that they're in a safe place. Yep. So thank you for what you do. Thank, thank you, you for joining us. Yeah, um, I appreciate the opportunity to get it out, get the word out there to yes, everybody. Absolutely. And um, if people are uh, in question, uh, I would encourage if you are in our uh, Monroe, Georgia area, Athens, Atlanta area, that you look at uh, St. Mary's uh, Breast Center. Um, and that's a great place to go and get your questions answered. Yeah. Um, if you are anywhere else, like our friends in Ohio who may be listening, <laughs> there are breast centers oh, everywhere. Yes. And yep. most uh, large hospitals will have a breast center. University hospitals will have a breast center. That's true. And that is a great place for people who have chose to specialize into this specific area to yes. help you out. Great resources. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you I for having me. I appreciate it. We like to end you on a positive note. So here's today's Tell Me Something Good. Something Good is self-help books. I have been a self-help book addict for a really long time. I listen to audiobooks in my car. I read them when I have an opportunity. I really feel like diving in and figuring out where I personally can make little changes to be happier has served me so well over the years. So not in place of our podcast, but in addition to dive into a self-help book or podcast, it might really make a difference for you. Thank you for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself.